praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Brother Brandon here. Uh, before we get into scripture, let's pray. Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for this opportunity to be able to get together to partake in your word today. Lord God, I pray that you would prepare the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every single listener here today, Lord God, that they would be able to receive these words that come forward and that they would get sunken deep within their spirits and come bubbling back up whenever they need them, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to every single listener in your own special way, Lord God. Let this message be used for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and we're so delighted to have you with us here as we look in some important scriptures today, which all of the Word of God is important. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, take a moment and pause this message and grab your Bible and come on back and unpause this so that you can see for yourself what the Word of God has to say. And if you ever feel, if you feel ever so inclined, grab a pen and a, and a highlighter as well so you can take notes or highlight things as Holy Spirit reveals some truth to you today. We're going to get right into it now and by going into the book of 1 Peter, I'm going to go to 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In verse number eight there, I really want you to underline where it says, like a roaring lion. lion. Today, I want to talk about shutting out the enemy, all right? Shutting out the enemy. We see in these scriptures here that Satan goes around and he pretends to be a lion. He pretends to be a roaring lion. And if you look at how Satan does things in scripture, you see what he tries to do is he tries to mimic everything that God is doing. He's the great imitator. He's also very, very, very sneaky as well. He's not always up in your face and, and showing himself and showing his true colors. Most of the time he comes at you very subtly and he just tries to get you slightly distracted before he goes in and, and, and before he strikes very much like a lion. If you ever watch a lion on, on National Geographic or, or some sort of show, or maybe you've had the opportunity to go out to a wildlife safari and maybe watch a lion uh, do some hunting, they're, they're pretty crafty and they're pretty sneaky. They will lie in wait and they will just watch and watch and watch. And, and there's times when they're watching you and you don't even know it. You may think that they're distracted looking at something else, but the reality of it is, is that they're looking at you or, or they might be looking around at other things around them, but the reality of it is you're the one that has their attention and they're keeping an eye on you while they're looking around to see what else is going on around them. They will lie quietly and they will secretly stalk their prey. And at times they'll hide in plain sight. Or they'll just kind of sit there and make their presence known versus hiding behind some tall, some tall grass. It also looked like that they may be preoccupied, but the reality of it is that they're watching your every movement, every movement. 
And this is how Satan likes to, to act. This is how he, he likes to try to keep us deceived. Is he'll, he'll be lying in wait and he'll be acting like he's turning his attention elsewhere. And, and, and he'll look around and, and maybe attack a, a family member or a loved one or a friend, somebody that you care about. He may go execute an attack on them to, to get you focused off the things that you need to do for God. And then you start getting involved in that situation. And he says, great, now I got you. Now he, then, he goes in for the, then he goes in for the kill. A lion, when, when going against a group of its prey, it'll carefully watch to find which one is the most vulnerable in the group and will attack that one. Many times if it's going after a, a, a group of, let's say, gazelles or, or, or something like that, there, there's always one that, that isn't quite fast enough or isn't quite uh, agile enough to be able to get away. And the lion will set its sights on that one and go right after that one because that's the weakest one uh, in, in the group. Well, this is how Satan is with us. Satan will look to try to find who is the weak one in the group, if you will. And verse number nine says to resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So whatever it is that we have going on in our lives, we have to recognize that we aren't the only ones in the world that are going through it. And see, if Satan could get you to believe that you are the only one that's going through it, then he can actually come after you. And he will come after you. And then you start getting in this place where you feel like, well, nobody understands me and nobody gets what I'm actually going through. So nobody can actually help me. And if that goes unchecked too long, then you start believing that God himself cannot help you, even though he can. Satan will patiently wait and look for the most opportune time to strike. And usually he does that when you're most vulnerable. And today we're going to look at ways that we open the door for the enemy to 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 come into our life and to and to wreak havoc. And we're going to look at ways how we can keep that from happening. But typically he will look for an opportune time and look to strike you when you're most vulnerable. Turn to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, verse number one, we're going to look at a familiar, familiar account here. Luke 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when he end, uh, and after, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. See, the devil never wastes an opportunity. Anytime he sees a chance to, 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 to put his foot in the door or to, to put a wedge in that door and start cracking at it and banging at it, banging at it, trying to get it to open even more and more, he's always going to look for that opportunity and he never misses an opportunity. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through. You could be prospering beyond belief, doing things and having, uh, having your, your goals and your dreams accomplished right before your very eyes in ways that you never even dreamed of. Satan will take an opportunity there to try to steal your joy. He'll try to throw something at you to get you off kilter. He'll do something to keep you focused off of the blessings that God has given you. He will keep you focused on anything that takes your eyes off of God. He never, never, never misses an opportunity. Here, he went after Jesus because Jesus was hungry at this point in time. He hadn't eaten, as you see in scripture, that he hadn't eaten in 40 days. And so what he did was he then, in essence, basically said to him, he was like, you know, if you are this son of God that you're talking about, 
and you're hungry, which I would imagine that Satan was probably thinking about it too and trying to figure out ways that he could trick Jesus into, into, into thinking about, well, you know, if you really are the son of God, then there's no reason for you to be hungry. And since you are hungry, you know, why don't you go ahead and turn these stones into bread? And see, that's how Jesus, that, I mean, excuse me, that's how the devil works. He tried to get Jesus, get Jesus distracted by making him doubt who he was by simply saying, if you are who you say you are, then why don't you go ahead and do this, perform this miracle? And let's look at Jesus' response here. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So you see there, Jesus hit him back with scripture there. Then the devil, verse five, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, uh, in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, if you look at verse number six there, if you take away that beginning part of that verse where it says, and the devil said to him, and then you just read the rest of that, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to, to whom I, whomever I wish. If you don't know the scripture and you read that out of the, out of context and you don't see the part where it says, and the devil said to him, that sounds like something Jesus would potentially say, something that God would say. And so what Satan is doing here is he's trying to try, trying to make himself sound like he's got some sort of more power and authority than he than he actually does. Satan had no authority to give Jesus anything. All right. Satan has no authority to give you anything. Satan cannot create. So therefore, he can't create something and give it to you. What he can do is he destroys. So in essence, what the only thing he really can create is destruction. All right. But he has no ability to give life. He has no ability to give you something that's going to, 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 to last long. He only gives you things that are going to be destructive to you, the things that are going to tear you down as a child of God, the, the, the things that will make you give up the things that God has blessed you with. Because God, Satan has no, no legal authority to take anything that God has given you. But what we can do by an act of our will, if we're not careful, is we can actually give away the things God has given us. Right. So Satan here is trying to make himself sound like God. And that's a very deceptive tactic that he uses. He's holding up a shiny object and, and trying to appeal to emotions. Right. Satan oftentimes will go will go and hold up a shiny object to try to appeal to your emotional side. The same way he did to, to, to Eve in the Garden of Eden. There, She saw that the fruit was good. And it, she ate it. All right. So he that's how he deceives us. He will try to trick you into thinking who try, try to get you into thinking that you are who who you say who you aren't who you say you are and then try to hold up a shiny object to get you distracted. Verse number eight. Look at Jesus reply again. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, there's that if again, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot on a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So we see there 
that after Satan got hit with scripture a couple of times, he decided that, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to throw out some scripture towards Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came right back and hit, hit him back with scripture. Make no mistake about it, saints of God. The devil knows what the Bible says. He knows exactly what it says in there. He refuses to believe some of those things or, or, or he f refuses to believe that he's limited in the power and authority that he has. But make no mistake about it. He will take scripture and he will twist it. And if we are not careful and if we are not filled with Holy Spirit, we can end up believing those lies and believing what he's saying, even though it, it isn't true. So he tried to hit Jesus with scripture, but Jesus hit him right back. If you look at these scriptures in the Amplified Version, it's interesting because Jesus actually says in there when he's replying, he says, it is written and forever remains written. What this means then is that whatever is in scripture cannot change, no matter how much man tries to change it. What is in scripture is the truth. This is the word of God. This is what he had man write. Everything in here, no matter how much people want to change it, no matter what people want to believe, no matter what laws get written, no matter who is elected as president or is, 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 is a senator or governor or mayor, no matter who's in any kind of authoritative position, they cannot change what the word of God says. Doesn't matter. Okay. How what you believe about the word of God, you, if you choose to, to not believe some of the things in scripture, it doesn't make it less true. It doesn't make it less true. There's many people out there that don't believe even Satan exists. Well, that's all fine and well. The word of God, we just looked at scripture here that talks about Satan and who he is. Just because you may not believe or because just because they may not believe in him doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in them and that Satan doesn't believe that they exist. Okay. But that's how Satan tries to deceive us. All right. So Jesus says, when you look at some of those in the Amplified, it says, it is written and forever remain, remains written as he's responding to Satan to let him know that Satan, it doesn't matter what you say or what you try or what you do, what's in the word of God is truth. No matter what man may try to do to it, it is truth and it stays that way no matter what. We also see a couple of things in here other than the fact that Satan likes to strike when you're most vulnerable. We see that we must be confident in who we are in Christ. As a child of God, we must remember that greater is he that is in us than he who's in the world. And you can find that scripture in John 1 John 4 verse 4. Satan tried to get Jesus to doubt who he was as the son of God. That's why he said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if, if, if. Satan will whisper in your ear, if you are a child of God, why are you going through this circumstance? If you are a child of God, why is this happening to you? If God heard you, why has he not answered yet? If you prayed to God and asked him for this, how come you haven't received it yet? Okay, that's how Satan likes to operate. Secondly, on top of recognizing and remembering that we are a child of God and his spirit in us is greater than Satan and any of his demons that are in the world, we must also know what scripture has to say so we can use it to defeat the enemy. Now, we're not going to go there today when we look at in terms of looking at uh, of putting on the whole armor of God. But if you look at those different pieces of the armor, the only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
It is scripture that rebukes Satan. It's, it's scripture that allows us to resist him and that forces him to flee. And the reason why we have so much scripture is because there's scriptures in the Bible for every single situation that you've got going on in your life. It doesn't matter what it is. Every situation, you can find something in scripture to back it up. You can find every single attack that the enemy throws at you. You have scripture that you can use to be able to defeat him. Okay, so we must know what's in scripture so that we can then use it to defeat to, 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 to defeat the enemy. Not knowing who we are in Christ and not knowing scripture can open the door for the devil because he can have you believing something that isn't true. He'll have you believing that you are in a child of God and will then purposely twist and misquote scripture for his advantage. Just this morning, earlier today, I was looking at something uh, on, on social media and it's and 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 somebody actually came out and said well that's nowhere i won't say what it is but but they said nowhere nowhere in scripture does it say that that's a sin well actually you can based off of what that topic was being talked about it absolutely is in scripture that it's a sin but see the way devil the way the devil will work is he'll say well if it's not word for word in scripture then it must not be a sin if it's not word for word from the bible then it must be okay but see, this is where Holy Spirit revelation comes into play, because Holy Spirit will say you might be looking for specific words, but those words you're not going to find in Scripture. But here's the verses that you will find that will tell you what the truth is. And then Holy Spirit reveals that truth to you. This is why there's so many people that know the Bible, but don't really know the Bible. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit revelation. They have that surface knowledge. If you read the Bible just like a regular old textbook, you'll be able to gain some level of an understanding. But if you want that deeper knowledge that leads to a closer walk with God, you've got to get deeper into Scripture and actually have Holy Spirit reveal the truth to you. Another way that we can open the door for the enemy is by being disobedient. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to go to verse number 21. Okay. And I'm actually going to read this one from the Amplified Bible here. It gives you some more. It gives you some more about this. Being disobedient to God is a way that we can open the door for the enemy to come in. John 14, verse 21. The person who has who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word teaching. And my father who will, who will love uh, and my father who will love him and we excuse me and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. One who does not really love me does not keep my words and the word teaching which uh, which you hear is not mine, but is the father's who sent me. The question we have to ask ourselves as children of God is, do we really, really love Jesus? Do we really love him? Because if we really love him, then our actions would change. And many people will say, many people will say that they love Jesus. But as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. It's your action that shows God whether or not you love him. It's your action that shows God. Your obedience to him shows him whether or not you truly love him. 
whether or not you're truly putting him first or if you're putting someone else first or you're putting something else first. Your actions speak louder louder than your words. Obedience shows love when it comes to the things of God. That obedience is what brings him closer to us and brings us closer to him. Okay, Brings us closer to him and him closer to us. Psalm 91 two talks about the importance of dwelling in the secret place. And, and when we are dwelling in God's secret place, we are abiding in the shadow of the most high. So when you are abiding in that shadow, when you are in that secret place, that means that no one can find you. So when the devil's out there searching for you, if you're abiding in God's secret place, he may know that you are in a secret place, but he won't be able to actually get to you because you're living in that place. You're hiding under under that shadow. Okay. Disobedience, on the other hand, pulls us away from God and allows the enemy to sneak right in. So when we decide that we're going to do whatever it is that we want to do instead of doing what God wants us to do, we're opening the door for the devil to come right on in. Okay. You see a lot of these agendas that are being pushed out these days. And really, if you look at some of the heart, the, the, the heart of some of these agendas, these ungodly agendas about uh, about who you can be, whether or not I'm a male or, and, and if I'm a male, whether or not I can transition to a female and back. If you look at those things, that's straight disobedience because it's going directly against what the word of God says. All right. So anyone that's acting that way cannot expect to have a close relationship with Christ. And I know that there are some out there that will say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm also gay. Well, you can't be actively living a lifestyle that is counter to the word of God and then call yourself a child of God at the same time. You really have to think about, am I truly saved and do I really love Jesus if I'm living this kind of lifestyle? Because according to scripture here. If you are being disobedient with doing something like that is being disobedient, then God cannot protect you. Okay. Jesus said there that he and God, the father will make his, will dwell within us if we are obedient to him. Okay. God will make his home with us if we are obedient to him. We see there in verse 23, because that love that we have for him leads to the obedience. And then that obedience then leads to Jesus and God, the father saying, we want to go ahead and make our dwelling place with that individual. Okay. So we must make sure that we are being obedient to God in all things in order to show that we truly, truly love him. Another way that we can open a door for the enemy to come in is by engaging in ungodly speech. Turn to Ephesians 4. Praise the living God. Ephesians 4, and we're going to go to verse number 25. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak, uh, speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Okay, Harboring anger towards someone, especially overnight, it will open the door for the enemy. Because that kind of anger lasting overnight means that you haven't forgiven that person for whatever it was that they had done to you. Okay, Whatever it was that, that, that they have done to you, you didn't forgive them. And the interesting thing about that is when you harbor that unforgiveness and you're trying to go to sleep at night, you won't be at peace at all because when you wake up, whether you're waking up in the middle of the night or you're waking up in the morning, you're going to be thinking about that. You're going to be thinking about that person. You're going to be thinking about that situation, what they did. You're going to be may even be thinking about how can I get back at them? 
you won't have any kind of peace whatsoever. It's okay to be angry, but anger does not automatically mean sin. Jesus had righteous anger. But when you're angry and you start doing things uh, uh, that, that are sinful, now you're starting to open up that door for that unforgiveness to, 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 to set in. And if that unforgiveness continues to fester and fester, you start, it starts to lead to bitterness, which then starts to lead to hatred. And we know where hatred can get us. You can just turn on the news and you can see what kind of hateful acts, uh, what, what hatefulness, the type of acts it has led, it has led to. Okay. Uh, verse number 27, nor give place to the devil. So that right there is telling us that, 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 that letting the sun going, going, uh, go, letting the sun go to go down on our wrath will give place to the devil. If we don't, if we don't handle that, if we don't forgive the person, all right, we've got to be able to forgive them and a lack of forgiveness that also starts to impact your other relationships as well. It's not just a relationship you have with that individual. But it starts to impact relationships you have with others, because no matter what you do, the devil will keep planning in your head everything that that person did wrong to you and remind you this is why you're mad at them and you need to do something about that. And then when you're trying to actually have a conversation with somebody else, it's hard because while you're talking to them or while they're talking to you, you're thinking about how that other person angered you. Okay? We got to be able to forgive. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Underline that with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, these verses here, 29 through 32, they can hit so many Christians and they can hit them pretty hard. Okay, these can these scriptures can hit Christians pretty hard because these don't verses don't mean that we just uh, uh, build people up with speech. Right. It doesn't mean that we just go out there and say, oh, we're going to talk some good things to them. But it also means that we need to watch the things that are coming out of our mouths. We need to watch the foul language. OK. And I know there's probably some Christians that are listening to this that will say, yeah, I have a hard time with that, with, with using that kind of language. You got to be able to give those things over to God when when Jesus really gets into your heart and you really are seeking after him and you're trying to live a lifestyle that that would be acceptable to him and you're modeling what he's doing. You start to put off all of those things. This is why it says there in verse thirty nine. Um, yeah. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away, uh, be put away from you because you can't let that unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. OK. You can't because it doesn't edify anybody. And it shows that you are acting just like the world is acting. And as children of God, we should be separating ourselves away from the world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Jesus certainly fellowship with sinners, but he did that to call them to repentance. He didn't do that to be just like them. And there are so many Christians that I see, unfortunately, out there that if, if you didn't know them, if you didn't hear them and you watched what they did and listened to what they said, they look just like the world. They look just like the world. So if you've got this, 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 this filthiness that, that's coming out of your mouth, you, you, you can't bless anybody. You can't build anybody up. Okay. I'm going to look at verse 29 there, but I'm going to read that from the Amplified. Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, 
vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as, uh, as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. We've got to ask ourselves, okay, how can we bless others with our speech if we're using filthy language? If we're tearing people down, okay? Now, correcting someone because they did something sinful, and, and I'm not going to get into all, all of this, but there, there's so much um, misuse of the word judgment. And, and when a child of God says, sorry, but that lifestyle is unacceptable to God, the Bible says that that's a sin, that's a sin, this is a sin. That's not judging anybody, all right? But if we're not being careful and if we're not using those things to try to build somebody up, yeah, we could be potentially tearing them down instead of building them up. But just because we are correcting somebody doesn't mean that we're being judgmental. But we can't bless somebody if we have all sorts of foul and vulgar things that are coming out of our that are coming out of our mouths. Becoming saved, becoming saved means a change in lifestyle. And a part of changing our lifestyle means we literally change how we speak. We literally change how we speak. We don't speak the same way. We don't act the same way. We must also not look for faults in others. Constantly focusing on someone else's faults can lead to a developing a prideful spirit as the devil tells us that we are better than someone else. Okay. How many times have you heard that? Or how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, so-and-so thinks that they're better than someone else. All right. That's that prideful spirit that can that can operate. And the devil will then say, yeah, you are better than you know so much more than them. You're so much more educated to them than, than that person. You graduated from this school. You graduated with these honors. You've got all of these degrees. You are better than the rest of the world. And if we see some of these decisions that are being made today, a lot of them are being made by the so-called, quote unquote, highly educated people. Now, listen, I'm not knocking education in any way, shape or form. God bless you for whatever degrees you hold and what schools you went to, et cetera, like that. I am not knocking anyone for that. But there are some people that have that those level of degrees that will talk down to others because they believe that they're smarter than everyone else. There's a sense of pride uh, or there's a, a prideful spirit that's starting to build up where they say, well, how many letters are after your name? What college did you go to? Because I graduated from the most prestigious school in all of the land. And they walk around high and mighty and puffed up in themselves, thinking that they have all the answers to the world problems. And they realize that they don't even realize that two plus two equals four. Okay. Seen it countless times. Right. That spirit of pride can get in there. And we start looking at faults in others. If we also looking at constantly looking at faults in others, they can lead, that can lead us to harbor unforgiveness. Because as soon as someone faults us, we say, well, not only did they do this, but they also do this and they do that. They can't do this right. They can't do this right. They can't show up here on time. They can't don't know how to treat their kids. They don't know how to talk to anybody. Next, you know, you start looking at all these things that are wrong with them. And you and, and, and what you don't realize is that you're acting the way that Satan starts to act because Satan condemns us for our mistakes. Holy Spirit calls us to repentance because of our mistakes. Satan knows your name and calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. So if we start looking at everybody else's faults, we're going to know them based off of their faults. And we're going to think about them based off of their faults. And we may never, ever get a chance to see them the way that God wants us to be able to see them and the way that God actually sees them. Okay. 
So make sure that we are we have to make sure we're forgiving others. We have to make sure we're not looking at faults in others. And if we do these things, that can help us shut the door to the enemy. Lacking faith will open the door for the enemy to attack as well. Turn to uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, and we're going to go to verse number one. Now faith, this is the consistent faith, faith, the constant faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So even God himself had faith in his own word when when all the worlds were created, when he said, let there be light and everything that he said in Genesis, he said it and he had to have faith. And that's how everything was framed. OK, uh, verse th uh, verse number three, uh, verse four, excuse me, by faith, Abel offered a good and uh, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous uh, he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead still speaks by faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken. He had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith underline this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who who diligently seek him, okay? Not having faith makes it impossible for us to walk with God and to please him, okay? Which then leads to disobedience, okay? So we have to have faith because not having faith means that we are doubting. And if we are doubting, then we don't have any faith in God and you can't have faith and doubt in any situation. You can only have one or the other. Not faith is saying that you don't, not having faith, excuse me, it's saying that you don't believe God is who he says he is. You don't believe he's all powerful, all knowing and everywhere. This is precisely the time the devil will swoop in and start planning all sorts of lies. Remember earlier I was talking about how Satan will get in there and start messing with your head and, and have you saying, thinking that, well, if you are a child of God, how come God hasn't answered your prayer? If you are a child of God, why did you slip up and do that? If you are a child of God, how come you didn't get this? If you are a child of God, if God, if the Bible says, now you are a child of God and the Bible says that if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, if you are a child of God, how come those people came against you? How come you didn't get that job? How come you didn't get approved for that loan? How come you didn't get this? How come you didn't get that? That's what the devil will do to us. That's what happens if we lack faith. It's impossible to please him. It's impossible for us to get closer to him as well. If you don't believe, let's say you have a, 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 a somebody on the job that you gave a task to. If you don't believe that they can get it done, or if you don't believe that they're going to do it to the level of satisfaction that's needed. How could you have a relationship with them? How could you have a relationship with your kids if you constantly be don't believe and have faith that they are going to do the right thing? 
you won't have a close relationship with them because everything you're going to do is about making sure and, and trying to force them to do something that they may not necessarily want to do. Then you start to control them and, and, and try to force them into, into behaving a certain way and, 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 and doing a certain thing. And, and you, you then start to almost rob their free will to, to an extent if you're not careful. If you're not seeking God for some direction on how do I deal with this child? How do I deal with that child? How do I deal with this situation? How do I deal with these people at work? Okay. If you're a manager, how do I deal with, with, with my staff if they're acting this way? If you don't have faith in what they can do, then you won't have a good relationship with them because what's going to always be in the back of your mind is that when I ask them to do something, they're not going to do it. So if you don't have faith in God, then that means every time you ask God to do something, you're going to doubt whether or not he's going to do it. And if that continues to go on and on, you probably may even stop praying. Why ask God for this? God's too busy dealing with more important things. It drives me crazy when I hear people say that. God is too busy to worry about your little problem. God's too busy to, to worry about you trying to find where your keys are. God is too, God's too busy to, 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 to help you find that job that you're looking for. No, God is not too busy for any of us. Okay? He is not too busy for any of us. But if we start to believe that we let Satan uh, um, plant that seed of doubt in our head and we start watering that seed, then he's got us right where he wants us. And that will pull us away from God. So we need to make sure that we have faith in all situations, all situations. And I suggest that if you haven't read the rest of, of those scriptures, then he would have talks about faith because it's really, really, it really, really shows things that have happened in other scriptures because of someone's faith. Last few scriptures here as we start to close this out. Another way that we can open a door for the enemy is by accepting and seeking a watered down doctrine. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, verse number 3. Actually, let's go, let's go to verse number one, okay. 2 Timothy four, verse number one. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. OK, see what well, a lot of times what happens is when you really start to get into the word of God, God will start to reveal things in you that need to change. Okay. That's part of becoming a child of God, and it's a lifelong journey. But there's many Christians that don't want to hear the things that they need to change about themselves. None of us, it, it never feels good if somebody points out something that you did wrong or, or points out a fault. Right? It never feels good. But when you study the word and you start getting closer to God, he starts to show you these are what my standards are. And if we start seeking out a watered down version of Christianity that, Christianity that doesn't adhere to God's standards, then we open the door for the devil to come in and point us in, a, in the direction of false teachers. Okay? We see there at the end of verse 3, they have itching ears and because of their itching ears, they will heap up for themselves 
teachers and they will turn uh, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So what happens is that they then start following after people that can make excuses for sinful behaviors. And they will say, well, God is love. God won't condemn you for that. God is this. God is that. The Bible says this. And they get away from the things that are, are, are supposed to uh, uh, change us. They, 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 they get away from scripture that challenges us to improve ourselves as Christians. The, the, the scriptures that, that, that tell us how much we should be diligently seeking after God and, and, and listening to his Holy Spirit and, and trying to be like Jesus and, and stop doing certain things and, and start doing other things. And, and, and when that starts to get into people and, and it starts to hit them deep in their spirit, they, they, it doesn't feel good. And the word of God is not... Is, was never intended to always feel good. And if you look at the world today, everything is focusing on how to make people feel good. Even at the expense of the truth. If you feel good, do it. If it's not harming anybody, do it. Make everybody feel good. Make everybody feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. No, the word of God is not always going to make you feel warm and fuzzy. If you are truly, truly seeking a deeper walk with God, if you are truly, truly, truly after living a life that's acceptable to God, then you're going to be find yourself at times reading scripture and you're like, oh my goodness, that's speaking directly to me. As long as I have walked with the Lord every single Sunday that I'm in church, every time that I'm reading, as even sometimes when I'm preaching, Holy Spirit will convict me and say, oh, yep, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. And it doesn't always feel good, because, but none of us are perfect. None of us are. But that lack of perfection does not excuse the behaviors that God says are unacceptable. The lifestyles that God says are unacceptable. The speech that God says are unacceptable. That lack of perfection does not mean that, that, that we then just say, well, I'm not perfect, so I'm not going to try to get better. No, because God knows your heart. And we saw in earlier scriptures that Jesus said, those who really, really love me will keep my commandments. Those who really, really love me, me and God will, will, will make our abode with him. Okay. Those who really, 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 really love me. All right. So we cannot be seeking after a, a, a watered down lie that people will try to say, well, this is what Christianity is. Do not go after that, that, that watered down doctrine. It might feel good. It might feel good in a moment if, if you hear somebody say, and, and face it, right? If we were doing something that was like, oh, man, I need to change this behavior. And it's so hard for me to change this behavior. If you heard enough people say that, well, supposedly children of God say, it's okay. You don't have to change that. That's going to make you feel good. Oh, okay. That's one less thing that I have to do. But we can't listen to people. This is one of the reasons why, uh, uh, if you're listening to this message, this is one of the reasons why you will hear, hear in the beginning to pause the message and grab your Bible so you can see for yourself because there are many out there that will start talking about a bunch of stuff and say, the word of God says this, the Bible says this, Jesus himself said this. And if you look in scripture, there's nowhere there in scripture. There's nowhere there in scripture. And there's no connecting verses that will lead you to believe that. But that's man's doctrine. We cannot follow after man's doctrine. In closing, carefully examine your life and ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you any doors that may have been opened either purposely or by accident. Once you know what doors have been opened, immediately close them and ask God for the strength to close them and keep them closed. When Holy Spirit reveals something to you and says, hey, you need to close that door, you need to change that behavior, change it. 
and close that door. Close it. Lock it up. Put a barricade on it. Don't allow that door to be open again. And if you ask God for the strength to be able to make it through and to consistently keep that door closed and constantly keep that door closed, he will give you the strength to do that. He won't force you to do it. You have to do it on an act by an act of your free will. But you will have the strength to be able to do it. So don't let, allow the enemy to open any doors. Don't allow any open doors to remain open. Shut those things off and, and, and just walk in God's perfect strength and walk in his peace and keep your eyes focused on him. And he will let you know if there's something that you're doing that's going to open the door for the enemy or if you left the door already open to him. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And as we prepare to close, let's end in a prayer. Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord. Oh, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for the words that came forth today, Lord God. I pray for everyone that has heard these words, Lord God, and I pray that they would be strengthened to close any doors to the enemy, Lord God. I pray that your spirit will speak to their spirits to reveal to them any places where they may have opened the doors for the devil to get in there and to wreak havoc in their lives, Lord God. I pray that you would strengthen them to be able to resist the devil, knowing, Lord, that according to your word, that if we resist the devil, he will flee. So, Lord God, I just want to pray that you would continue to strengthen each and every single one of us to tackle any battles that we may have, Lord God. I pray that you would bless everyone that has heard these words, Lord God. And I also would pray that when the time comes that you would strengthen us and embolden us to minister to those that need to hear these words, Lord God, because it's not your will for anyone to perish. I pray that you go in his peace. I pray that you go in his joy and that you would go knowing that. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, praise God once again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, think about forwarding this to friends, family, and loved ones, and even those that may be giving you a hard time. Uh, we can be found at genesis1.sermon.net. And if you click on the subscribe button there, you will receive notifications anytime that new content is posted. We also have a, um, a YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and just search for Genesis One Christian Ministries, you'll be able to find our sermons posted on there. And if you have an Apple, uh, an Apple phone or access to the, the, the Android uh, Google Play Store, you'll be able to download the Genesis One Christian Ministries apps uh, and be able to listen to our podcast. Um, and listen to these messages on there and everything we make is free of charge because we know the word of God says that it's not his will for anyone to perish. So we just want to spread the word of God to to as many as people as we can. Well, praise God. Once again, I thank you for for being here and I pray that you will go in God's perfect, perfect peace, that you will go in his strength and that you will remember that you can do all things, things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God and stay blessed. Here we are. In your prayer.